And that right there is how you make millions and millions and millions of dollars on little dancing baby trees. You just stick them in the movie and then make all kinds of different creations, including just the little dancing guys. And then I found one where it was a little plant holder, just his head that you put a little flower in and that's it. And that it just sells like crazy. Well, the guardians of the galaxy, they're a group of misfits and all come together to do just that. They guard the galaxy against all of its, of its threats. And they should be heroes and they should be loved by all, but there's a problem and that problem is them. They are not the kindest, nicest, or funnest people to be around. Um, in fact, they have, right before that little dance scene, they have this massive argument about how they're going to fight and all kinds of ego-driven stuff is going on. And, and they, it's arguing about swords and knives and it's just chaos. Drax is probably one of the most arrogant characters ever invented, except for one thing, he does not have the brains to back it up. Gamora is angry and bent on revenge from her dad who tortured her and her sister through their whole life. Peter Quill is a selfish, greedy womanizer whose whole existence is his pleasures and his wants and his needs. And, and then there's Rocket. Rocket's my favorite character of this whole bunch. He's, he's angry and he's defensive and he will stop at nothing to put others down so he can, he can lift himself up. And the only somewhat normal character in this, whole, in this movie is, of course, the little three-inch talking tree who says three words. Can anyone tell me what those words are? I am Groot. That's, that's all he says the entire movie. And yes, they seem to be able to interpret it in different ways, but <laughs> that's, that's all he has. Now, this group has some massive ego and brokenness going on. We've all been there. We've all been around these type of people, the ones that are arrogant and selfish and angry and indifferent to others' needs and just really kind of jerks from time to time. And you're probably actually sitting next to them right now. Just don't, don't point. And if we're, if we're really honest, though, if we really look at this movie for what, what it is and these characters, we, we can see ourselves in them from time to time. Maybe not to their extreme, maybe not all the time, but we have our moments where we are selfish and angry and grumpy and jerks. You've all asked yourself that question, why? Why? did I act that way? Why did I do that? Why did I treat that person the way that I did? The good thing is we're, we're not alone. It's part of the human condition. It's part of who we are and it comes from our brokenness. It comes from our sin. And then the first 
Guardians movie gives us the perfect example, and it's right here from Rocket. Whoa, what are you doing? This Furman speaks of affairs he knows nothing about. That is true. He has no respect. That is also true. Hold on, hold on. Keep calling me Vermin, tough guy. You just want to laugh at me like everyone else. Rocket, you're drunk, all right? No one's laughing at you. He thinks of some stupid thing. He does. Well, I didn't ask to get made. I didn't ask to be torn apart and put back together over and over and turned into some, some little monster. Rocket, no one's calling you a monster. He called me vermin. She called me rodent. The pain and the brokenness that comes out. He feels like he's this big, and even though he is, he's, he's a raccoon, strangely, but he feels like he's nothing. And so his response is to make other people feel like they're nothing. And Jesus hits this head on because this comes from a much deeper issue, a much deeper problem. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us some examples. And over and over again, he gives us the law that was given and his commandment. He gives us the law that these people, this, the nation of Israel, are following as, in, following as individuals. And then he gives his commandment. He gives the commandment that his followers will be following. And he gives the law and he gives his commandment. And by doing this, he is trying to move past the surface of what a, the law lived out entails and gets down to the major true problem. He gets to the heart. And that's the original intent of the law. And Matthew 5, 21 through 22 says this, You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. This is what the law says. But my people are going to work past that. They're going to get deeper. They're going to get to the root of the problem. And in our brokenness, we inflate our value compared to others. And when we see ourselves as more important than others, our wants and our desires become all that matters. And so the sin doesn't start with the action. The sin starts with the heart. Jesus knows us. He has seen us fail over and over again, trying to be better people, trying to live up to the law and trying to live up to our own law in a lot of ways. But Jesus knows all of our failures start with our hearts, that much deeper level, and he is moving towards us. He is moving towards us to help us fix that, and the prophets actually they prophesied 
They told us, they told the people of Israel this was coming. More than one, but I'm going to give you Ezekiel's example here. And it says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your, old, your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 then that prophecy is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. He has come and he is offering you a new heart. And he will fill you with the spirit. His teachings in the Sermon on the Mount are meant to take us to the end of ourselves, to this place where we finally figure out that we cannot do this. We cannot live this law out because again, the problem is much deeper than our outward actions. We will never be good enough, so we need him to do this work. But there's one thing standing in our way, one roadblock, even for the, us seasoned Christians. It's, it's ego. And the big bad guy of this movie is properly named Ego. He's a big, giant, living planet that manifests itself in this form. <sighs> Sorry. And that form parallels our brokenness. That ego that we have here, it parallels our sin and all the junk that gets in our way and holds us down. When ego gets a hold of us, it not only ties us down, it not only pulls us down. When our sin becomes our reality, it pulls our family down. Those that we love, our friends, those that are closest to us get to feel that bondage with us. And this is a good example of that. doesn't just pin us down. It pins those closest to us down as well. Are you there? Have you been there? Have you felt so trapped by your own junk, your own garbage, unknowing how to get rid of it, how to free yourselves and your loved ones from it? Where is that ego and sin taking you in your life? What is it for you? What is that that you're holding on to that you won't let go of? What is taking control of you? And honestly, there's only one thing that we can do. And that's fight, just like this. I don't use my head to fly the arrow. 
Squish my Walkman! When Peter chooses to fight, not only is he released from that bondage, but all of his loved ones are as well. I, I love that. I, I love that imagery of not only his freedom in that moment, but his loved ones. So how do we fight? And this is, this is where it gets really simple. It's not easy but it gets really simple. We have one move. There is only one way that we can fight and it's to surrender. That's, that's all we have because as Jesus points out, as the Sermon on the Mount points out over and over and over, we can't do it. We can't get there. We have to turn our hearts over to Jesus so he can do the work, so that he can fill you with his spirit. When I first really met Jesus somewhere in my mid-20s, my brother-in-law and, and all of his friends did as well, just a little bit before me. And my, uh, one of his friends, Shane, he was an artist. So he, he drew this painting and it sticks with me. And it's simply a man that's supposed to represent himself and he's on his knees and he's, he's pulled out his heart and he's surrendering it to God. Everything that he is, everything that he wants to be, he is handing it over and that heart is actually a nest and the Holy Spirit and a dove is, is in it. That is our only option we have. And anything short, anytime we try to fraction our heart and ask God to work on this part and this part and these little things, it never works because he wants all of us. He wants everything. For that to happen, though, we have to have a proper view of this amazing God that we have. And we often grab a little piece and make it so we can put it in our pocket. And we carry it around for when we need him. We, we use them when we want our circumstances changes. We use him as a little cosmic genie 
rather than give ourselves over to him and let him use us, a surrendered version of us in his life and his mission and his will. So once we surrender, there's one more step. And John, or John actually tells the story of the Last Supper. And in his version of the Last Supper, Jesus gives us this passage. And I'm a big fan, I've said this before in my sermons, that I'm, I'm a huge fan of the last things that Jesus says because they're often so important. Like everything is so important. I'm not discounting anything, but those last moments are the things that are supposed to really stick. And it's John 15 verses 4 through 8. And it says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain, you're going to hear this over and over again. Remain. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in my words, in me, my words will remain in you. You may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Remain day in and day out. And what this is showing us is this idea that God's love travels from the vine into the branches through us and into our fruit. Our fruit is in fact his love. So right now, we're gonna worship. And what I'm gonna ask from you guys is that you, you, you ask God to search you. Ask him to, to point out whatever it is in your life, whatever is holding you down, whatever is driving your ego, your sin, your selfishness, whatever it is. And let's make the choice today to give it over to him. Let's worship.
I'm sorry When I've just gone through the motions I'm sorry When I just sang another song Take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you And I'm sorry When I've come with my agenda I'm sorry When I forgot that you're enough Take me back to where Surrender 
and remain. That's the main point here today. You guys can have a seat. We have a few minutes left still. The way to defeat ego is to surrender and remain. The way to beat ego and sin and selfishness and brokenness and all the junk that is weighing us down is to submit, is to surrender and remain. Now, the remain, the next step in this process, you've got to bear with me for a second because I'm I can be a little bit of a nerd when it comes to certain things. And one of those things is like, is human performance and the way our, we work, the way God designed us. So I'm big into personality stuff and I'm, I'm big into a lot of different areas in that realm. So I'm going to nerd out a little bit. One of the guys I like to listen to is who's big on his uh, human performance. He's a neurological biologist in Stanford. What he teaches is at night when we sleep, our brain goes through this process. And our brain takes in all the information of that day and the, the days in the past, and it works through actual, it works through problems. And it takes all the information in and it categorizes it. It, it stores some memories, long-term memories, short-term. It gets rid of some junk. And it totally works through everything that we took in. And that process continues in the morning. But one of the things that the brain works on first, most of the time, is the last thing it takes in right before bed. Now, this is going to seem like a lot, and I promise it's not. It's not. Um, I had my friend John Neal test this out. See, he, John gets up every morning, and he starts cutting grass at, at, at um, Crazy Horse. 5.30 every morning. And he goes and he gets the fields ready in Bueller for the baseball and softball games coming up that night. And then at night, he coaches the Nationals organization for the high school kids. He's busy. I think sometimes he might say he bit off a little too much this summer. So being the busiest guy I know this summer, I asked him for the last two weeks, hey, can you do something for me? Can you try this out? And if, if you can do this with your schedule, there is no excuse that anyone else has. So John succeeded, so now it's your turn. So at night, that last 15 minutes right before you go to bed, bring something in of God. Of course, pray, but some kind of devotional, some kind of Bible study, something. And I'm not asking you to get out of your normal routine. See, me and Christy, a lot of times, most of the time, almost every night, we, we go to bed watching TV. So in, in, for us to adapt it to our lifestyle, we will use Right Now Media, and all you guys have access to Right Now Media. You just have to let me know you want it, and I'll send you a link. And Right Now Media is video Bible studies that you can watch on your TV if you have a smart TV. So you let me know you want access to it. Last thing you watch at night is a study, and then you pray and go to bed. And if you read before you go to bed, read something. But you, you get the idea. The last thing you take in is something of God, and it's prayer. And then your mind should start to work that first. And then as you wake up in the morning, he says that the first 
bit of your waking morning, your brain is like a sponge because it's still finishing the process that it went through the night before. It is finishing the upload is what he says. So anything you put into your brain sticks. And that's why so many people say, oh, when I get up in the morning, I spend my time with God first thing and it may changes my day. It's, there's science to back that up. So when you wake up in the morning, do some kind of worship, pray, just spend time at his feet, 15, 20 minutes, some kind of devotional, just, just make sure that at some point you are listening to him and not just talking. And then you extend that out for the first hour. Don't take in any junk. And that means social media and it means news because there is so much toxic stuff in there that you can't avoid. Do not let that interfere with what your brain, what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in you through his word. And that's it. What, what will happen if we all get on this journey where we are surrendering and we are remaining in Jesus? What happens to our life? Because I guarantee you will see so much change. Even, even for those that have been doing this for a while, we have junk. Whether you want to admit it or not, you have junk that you still need to surrender. So let's, re let's surrender it. And let's remain at his feet because our lives will change, our families will change. And as we have a church that is more and more on fire for him, our community will change and it'll spread to the world. It starts right here in your heart though, every one of us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for moving towards us. In all our brokenness and all of our garbage, Lord, we, you're there. And the path is so simple. It is just to surrender to you and whatever your will is in our life. But it's, it's, it's not easy. Lord, so help us. Help us to move forward in this process of getting closer and closer and closer to you. Lord, we, we just want you. Help us. Help us to get there. Help us to live every day for you and your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. Have a great week. We will see you next week. There's honey in